0: So you guys get me with makeup on today, just eye makeup. Um, But yeah, I had a trip to the DMV today that while the trip itself wasn't successful, at least I had a day where I looked done up, which, you know, happens once in a blue moon. So you guys get to enjoy it tonight. Not you on Spotify, but you guys watching this and the recording. So as per usual, I am excited for this conversation. Um, I really, really... It'll make sense why I'm asking this, but for this talk specifically, I want you guys to try and really come out of your comfort zone and be interacting in the chat with how things are standing out to you and how you're feeling about it, even if it's not amazing. Even if you're like, I don't know what the hell she's talking about. That's okay. Put it in the chat, okay? Because today is gonna be more of like a real talk kind of situation, but um, it's not, I wouldn't say like tough love or anything like that. It's just gonna be blunt. As I know you guys have come to expect from me so it makes it all better if you guys are joining in in you know in this whole dialogue now the reason that it makes sense for me to ask that is we're gonna go over attachment styles today and when we do I think it'll a lot of things will make sense for a lot of you guys um, but my own attachment styles <laughs> are why I love to hear feedback from you guys to hear what you're thinking what you're taking away to make sure that that what I'm delivering is coming across clear or making an impact. So definitely tell us in the chat. Okay. So did it just start torrential downpouring? We can't grill the picanha. I don't know if you guys saw my stories. We're obsessed with that picanha steak, and we were just so excited to grill it at the end of this, and it is downpouring outside. When's this retrograde ending? Because it's like, is this just... 2022. But anyway, so when we don't know what we don't know, I want to ask you guys before I dive in, when you saw that that was tonight's subject, what did you think? Like, what was your, tell me in the chat, what was your immediate just like thought or perception when you saw that the title was when we don't know what we don't know? I don't know. Someone said, someone said, yay. Yeah. So when we don't know what we don't know, um, I'll tell you if it were me seeing that a few years ago, I would have been like, Oh my God, did I do something wrong? Um, am I not seeing what I, you know, like, Oh, well, what don't I know? <laughs> and I would have felt more so like nerve wracked by it. If that makes sense. Um, but I like seeing how it's interpreted by you guys. Cause coming up with the name of these talks is like trying to remember the names of these talks sometimes is a real interesting thing, but when we don't know what we don't know. So today we're going to be real about a different kind of struggle because that's what we're here to fix. Right? So without ego, without feeling like you're dumb or you're bad for not knowing it or whatever. I'm air quoting for those of you who are listening to the recording. Um, But because if we don't look at what's wrong, we'll always be chasing what we think is right. Even if that all that does is waste our precious time. So before we get into more in depth, the juice of the talk, I have another question for you guys and I want you to reflect on this, and those of you, even if you're usually a quiet peanut gallery member, I wanna encourage you to, to send this in the chat, right? What does time wasted mean to you? Like when I say wasted time, what does that incite in you? And you know the rule with drinking. When I sip, you sip, we sip. I don't care how bad it is for my shitty teeth already. I love chewing on ice. So good. Um, okay. Let's see. Less time to live how I want to. A loss, I'm dumb for wasting it. When I'm not doing what I'm supposed, to, quotes, I'm supposed to, and not making progress towards my goals, doing things that aren't what I should be doing. Yeah. Now, what does it make you feel? like when you think of wasting time, and you think of that being kind of ripped from you, what does that make you feel? Well, that's a good one. Someone said a lesson, makes you feel anxious. Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm a very impatient person. So the idea of wasted time is just, oh, desperate, definitely anxious. So what about regret? How badly are you guys all so afraid of regret that you end up feeling regret all the time? Even if it's something that it was good or is good, it's just like ruminating about it after the fact. You just, for some reason, you can't even put a finger on it. You're just like, you regret it. So wasted time is a huge trigger for a lot of people especially people who deal with chronic illness, especially people who have had intense trauma, or not even intense trauma, any trauma. Um, and again, you guys have heard me say this before, trauma does not need to mean abuse. Trauma could be um a, a loss. Trauma could be an, a huge move at a certain developmental age as, as a child. Trauma could be, um, you know, a divorce. Trauma could be Someone recovering from an intense surgery in the family. You know, there are so many things. Trauma could be body trauma. It could be shame. It could be embarrassment. Um, partners. You know, like there, there's so many bits and pieces that can be traumatic, without it having to be outward abuse. And if you ever in your life felt like that, like any intense emotion for a prolonged period of time, where you were uncertain or unsure of anything, that counts. And someone said in the chat, what if it's all the above? It's very common for it to be all of the above, right? Like it's, if you've grown up in this traumatic environment, I've said this before, the statistically we are at a higher risk of chronic disease. Those who face prolonged trauma have such high inflammation that their body does not function properly for X amount of time and everything goes haywire. So you see a lot of autoimmune illness, you see a lot of neurological illness, um, inflammatory illness, you know, endocrine system failure, things like that, that happen. And, it, and I'm not saying every single time it has to do with trauma, but it's just studied that it's a lot more prevalent amongst people who have lived in prolonged traumatic periods of time. So, <clears throat> uh, and then that being said, if that gives you the illness, then the illness in itself could be traumatic. It's reliving all that trauma. So now let's take a look at something like weight, right? And now you might be from the camp of, I don't give a shit about weight. I just don't wanna feel bad every day, totally. But we also can't ignore the fact that if your body has been changed, let's say, or your body has remained a certain way for a long time due to illness, you are allowed, we are all allowed to not wanna have to look at a physical reminder of what has happened to us. We're allowed to not want to look at a physical reminder that we're, no matter what, we're not quite there yet. So, and when we live in a society that we live in, we're all human. So you could be someone who cares like so little about weight, but not for nothing, if, if your appearance has at all been modified by illness, it's going to subconsciously be the thing that we monitor our progress by. So let's see what chat's chat, going on in the chat. autoimmune, neurological. Oh, so you mean literally me? (laughs) A lot of us in different ways, you know, a lot of us with all different types of comorbidities. um, It's just, it's a bitch, right? So didn't even realize it was all trauma at the time. We don't, we don't usually realize it as trauma. Why? Because we are in survival mode. We're in survival mode. That's why when I hear someone saying, I was really stressed, so I'm just going to, you know, I just, I didn't talk to anyone and I didn't do anything. I was just in survival mode. I always work to reframe that because survival mode can last as long as it lasts without the awareness there and the tools there. And when we were younger, we didn't have any other option besides the survival mode that we knew, but we deserve better than survival mode in our modern lives, even if things are going crazy. So just me in survival mode for 35 years, if you think about it, if you think back to that, and when we we rag on ourselves for, you know, I look like shit, I hate the way I feel, blah, blah, blah. Right. But like your body has been through hell for 35 years. That, that is a valid thing in and of itself. Like it is. it is it's no wonder that there's a lot of issues, a lot of struggles. We separate that And then our ego kicks in where we're like, I should know better. I should do better. I should be farther than I am. I shouldn't be this or that or this or that. What should you be if not for someone just dealing with a lot of medical shit they didn't ask for along with an already really stressful modern day 2022 to maintain? One of my favorite sayings and I'll man, grant, granted some of you are new here but a lot of you guys have known me for a while um, I am a very big fan of the woo woo right like the, the spiritual stuff and things like that I don't push it on anyone but when it comes to my one of the, my favorite sayings and even ask someone with OCD if it could have happened any other way it would have Now we could sit here and say oh there's different timelines oh you know in a past life or whatever I ain't talking about that I'm talking about this right now this timeline the one you just woke up from yesterday and are going to go to sleep and open up again, open your eyes to tomorrow, right? In this timeline, if it could have happened any other way, it would have. We would like it to have worked out a different way, but there were no other things that could be done because things unfolded the way they unfolded. That doesn't take away the feeling associated with it, but it really focuses the the placement of it not in some like, not out in the ether where it's out of our control, but rather a shit hand that we're dealt and we're, ma- we're trying to do what we can with what we got. Either way, our days are going to pass. It's just a difference of how we feel about those days. And that is something we do have control over now where for those of you who experienced a prolonged trauma, right? Like if you want to think about it, getting control of not feeling like you're spiraling out and like, you're not doing well, you're wrong, you're bad, you're letting things go. All of the negative shit we tell ourselves, right? When we work through those things, because they're valid, they're there, they need to be processed and worked through, right? When we work through those things, that is giving justice to all of the shit times that we didn't have a choice that panned out the way they panned out. And we got the raw deal, right? Every time you're learning how to change that now, it is getting justice for that and getting justice for the future timeline that you're going to be living in. So here's what I think, here are the ways that I think we tend to screw ourselves out of getting and staying in a good place. I don't know why I have my phone off to the side. I can just really put it right here. So, okay. um, Number one, I, they expect people they expect to be able to do the same level of the same shit every day regardless of what's going on who's done that before and I like to use an example called the city versus country driving example now pretend you grew up and you have only driven in the country. You learned how to drive in the country. There's not a lot of people out there, speed limits a suggestion. It is just easy cruising, right? And then one day you get dropped in the middle of New York City and you've got to drive and you've only ever experienced country roads. The problem is we try to be great drivers in all terrains driving the same way we would on those country roads, but that can't happen. So do we just try anyway to just drive how we know? Or do we try to acclimate? Do we try to understand what we need to do and how to be and keep our eyes open, have a panic attack at some point? But my seriously, though, you know, is we want to be able to drive in all terrains. And that's great. But we can't very well do that if we don't know how to handle those multiple terrains. And I don't think anyone, again, we don't know what we don't know. If you've only known how to do something this way, one way, then you shouldn't just be, you know, a shit bag because you don't know how to do it some other way. That's what we're all here to do is to learn. Number two, they look at shit from years ago and feel bad that they don't look exactly the same. Now I'm not talking about hey, I gained, you know, 60 pounds up for from just a Hashimoto's diagnosis. Like of course, like I guess like I said before, we are more than allowed to not want to have to look at the physical representation of our illness. However, I really think as a society, something that's kind of newer Yes, we know we have all the, the smoke and mirrors and tricks when it comes to the weight loss stuff. We know those aren't really the way people, that's not really the way people look, right? They edit their bodies, they airbrush stuff. We've kind of made peace with that and can assume that. But I think what people are really not understanding is people don't expect themselves to age anymore. And that has nothing to do with weight that just has to do one, your, your hormones fluctuate throughout life. And that changes how you're like, where you're, you end up holding on to weight. It also changes the collagen in our bodies. It changes the elasticity of our skin. We lose fat in different places. Yeah. We lose fat, of course, in the places that we want to keep, you know, look young in, but it happens. It's a part of the aging process. And I, I had someone when I go, but yeah, that was only five years ago. I was like, that was a half a decade ago. That was more than someone's high school career ago. That was, you know, freshman year, first to, in high school to first year of college ago. But we like think about it we're like, oh my God, you know, why why don't I look like that? Like I'm just getting worse. I mean, no, for not for one, for one thing, you might be getting sicker, and that's a completely valid thing. But don't keep that harsh standard on yourself. Like, even with illness, even with stress, even with you know, having a family or, or relocating or starting a career or dealing with a breakup, whatever it could be. We don't look at any of that shit. We're just like, why don't I look as good as that picture? When I bet you, when that picture was taken, you had something you felt like shit about. That's just us doing that. You know, we don't want to, I'm not saying like, you know, you're just doing it yourself, but that's something to change. Cause like, that's a lot to deal with that's really hard. You can't look at photos and have good memories around them. And that, that should be a big goal to change. Number three, we look at ourselves every day. And when we're having a low day, we see that we're not completely different than where we were. We miss all of the little progress we celebrate on the days where we're feeling better, lump it all together and assume It's not working. I knew it. I'm not going to get there. It's just all bullshit. Everything sucks. Who's done that before? So number four, we don't share our struggles from a place of here's what's not, here's what's not working. Let's try and try until we crack it. And instead we complain that the struggles exist at all to the point of feeling like we have to put up this wall. Like we can't try, we can't overcome this one baby step. Isn't enough. We create this blockade in front of ourselves because we don't want to figure out what is not working. what's not suitable. We don't want us to be not working or us not suitable when it's not about that. It could just be the process. Last one here, we assume and give up because we justify things. And this is just avoidant attachment style, by the way. So from this, what's standing out to you guys? What are you feeling, I should say, because I just said a lot of stuff, but what are you feeling hearing this? I'm drinking so much this Zoom because my throat is so dry from allergies. I'm like, just realized everyone's getting so hydrated on this Zoom. Someone said, Well, that sucks that we do that to ourselves, is what I thought. It does suck, right? We want to assume what we think the problem is is the problem when in actuality, it could be a completely different culprit. Mm hmm. of my cute, sexy, or pretty photos were taken in a deep depression. Or when I was like wasted or something, perception is a lie. Perception is a lie. Perception is malleable and that's the problem is we can can make it pliable uh, in the good direction, but a lot of times all these bad presences kind of mold that perception. It, only, it becomes our, our responsibility to figure out what that lie is and then hopefully tell ourselves the truth enough to believe it. Everything I'm going through now, I keep wanting to push myself to be 100% perfect at every baby step and every mood and I need to really take it slow and easier on myself. Absolutely. Not, you know, like you're not in the same situation, which it matters. It matters if our schedules are different, if our relationships are different, if we've had a heartbreaking event that's happened. If we've had, you know, a horrible flare, a new diagnosis, like whatever, that all matters in the grand scheme of things, expecting ourselves to be this like super soldier who always performs the same way with no thoughts, feelings or anything changing the the path, right? We expect to be like that every single day, but one, why no one else expects that from us either. And two, that is a lot of pressure Uh, that said, Sydney, I need to remember this. I have surgery coming up and I need to remember to have patience and grace with myself. Absolutely. I've had a, a bunch of clients. Um, I don't know why 2020 was like the year of people breaking their ankles, <laughs> but I had like a few clients it was weird within a few months of each other. Uh, they fell and broke their ankle and they were so hard on themselves. About not just like being able to just sit down for a week and then pop up and be fine, you know. And like, logically, when I would remind them, they'd be like, I know, but it's that emotion that causes that stress that screws us. It's a cycle. If there's one thing I wish that, that like, you guys, I wish I could say it and then it just kind of sinks in and like immediately sprouts, but not for nothing. It's something that I've heard and it took me so long to truly get to. So I don't expect anybody to hear this and be like, Oh, my life has changed. But food for thought, right? Is that something that is easy to do and doesn't feel bad to do does not mean you're not doing enough. Things can be easy without you being a screw up. It, they could be easy without you being lazy. They could be easy without being any of the shit you tell yourself or that society kind of instills in us, in us so that we tell ourselves. So <clears throat> recently I did a mental health survey on, I'm reading from the chat here, recently I did a mental health survey on a course I'm taking and opened my eyes so much of how depressed I really am, had no idea slash awareness of that, didn't know what I didn't know. And, and I think the important thing is I hope you feel validated by that because it's not just like you like not getting your shit together, right? That's not you just being like, oh, lazy, silly person who just doesn't care. You can very much care. Once we can pinpoint what the problem is, we can dive further. We can understand like we have to tackle this. It's, yeah, it would be great if it didn't exist, but that's everything. Like it'd be great if there was world peace, right? Like, but- this is the timeline we're in. It still deserves to be worked through. So I posted something in the Facebook page about attachment styles a little while ago. And I would encourage you guys to go check that out. If you can leave your comments, you know, what that means to you, what you notice, anything you're willing or comfortable to share or tell me privately, either way. But, um, attachment styles is something that, is really, really important. And I don't think a lot of people know a lot about how it affects us in our everyday lives. So attachment styles are formed. It's a developmental thing that we we form as children based on the consistency or the lack of consistency we received as kids. Our whole job is to survive. Like people wanna say, oh, reproduction is our human duty. No, survival is our human duty. So like biologically. So now when that happens, like you are a child, you're given hormones that make you love and trust the adults around you, like oxytocin, which makes you trust your caregivers and people who are supposed to protect you and care unconditionally about you, all of that stuff. When you have trauma, whether you have um, an inconsistent parent, you know, whether that doesn't have to be intentional, right? Like I I know there are moms who are working two jobs to try and pay for their kids' basic livings. Like, You would never want to make that a bad thing, right? But at the end of the day, there's attachment style issues that can form, you know, and knowing them is so important because now we know how to compensate for that, right? But if you didn't have a consistent, unconditional source of protection and just safety, security, then you had extra cortisol in your system than you should have, it's a stress hormone. Again, we're human, so we have to survive, we have to evolve, You know all of these things. So what that does is it makes a child hyper aware of things that they should not have to be hyper aware of. This can also happen if you grew up in a situation where you're the oldest sibling, you were parentified a lot, there was a lot of either spoken or unspoken responsibility placed on you. Or if you had a parent who relied on you for emotional validation, or talking to you about matters that were more mature than you should have been needed, you know, needed to talk to them about all of those things that can create these, these, um, inconsistent attachment types. So, I mean, enough for nothing, like, I don't even know, like the older generations, like the shit that I hear just from like my mom's generation and stuff. I mean, we didn't, we didn't know what we didn't know. Right. So now we know more, we can do better, but I hear some crazy shit. Um, anyway different story for a different day. Here are some ways that I see attachment styles play out in what we're doing. Tell me if any of this sounds familiar in the chat, okay? So needing constant results as reminders that we're doing the right thing, air quotes, being, being crushed by things not being perfect, the same every day, and thinking that it's too good to be true because of it needing constant reminders and validation that things are working, you are good, you are doing good. Not allowing, here's number two, not allowing yourself to put full effort into something, almost seeming like it doesn't really bother you to like, quote, unquote, air quotes, all right, half-ass something, because you're not going to get fooled when it doesn't work out, in relationships, by the way, that can be not really ever getting fully attached to somebody, finding f- faults in them to be like, eh, yeah, I don't really care. Keeping it surface so that you don't get that, you don't know, get hurt potentially. Um, giving something whatever time you decide is appropriate before creating a bad story about why it won't work so that you don't have to seem like you're letting something, like you're letting things down, like you're giving up on something or you're failing on something. Instead, it becomes the thing's fault because this should have happened by now. Even though there's no reason, like like no one, that's not fact. That's just how we feel because we would want it yesterday. Having perceived criticism from anybody else, crush any excitement Making you feel foolish for believing in something being good in the first place. That's a big one. I'm going to read it again. Having perceived criticism from anyone else crush your excitement because it makes you feel foolish for believing that it would even work out. Last one here needing to feel like you are out of your mind obsessed with something you are all in you eat breathe sleep and shit this because you are the poster child this is it your team mascot because if you're not all in to every degree you can be you feel like you're failing you feel like you're missing something something's gonna fall through the cracks so do you guys see now the connection between how inconsistency as a child could create these pockets of fear in these ways as an adult when it comes to goal setting, when it comes to getting through something, uh fixing a struggle, things like that. We all eventually do what we got to do, right? If you're stressed about a bill coming up, it's the end of the world, right? But like very rarely does it get to the point of like unlivability, right? Like thank God, it takes a long time like let's think of the most extreme financial things like repossession or getting evicted or whatever. That's not going to happen from getting one bill in the mail. Chances are before that ever happens, we'll come hell or high water, do everything we can to figure it out. So why do we have to also add in all of that feeling, that negativity, that stress, the urgency, all of that. That's because of our fear of it not being safe of it, of us missing something of us being bad of us letting people down, All of those things, all that emotion comes with hormones. Let's see what the chat says here. So definitely the anxious avoidant type, but I learned today I'm most likely disorganized attachment, which is fearful avoidant, which is so interesting. Apparently it's the most difficult type due to abuse slash trauma. I'd like to think of it not so much maybe as difficult, but, um, Rare and needing of extra care, (laughs) right? Like something indulgent, but definitely it's very brutal. Um, Consistent criticism from a loved one can lead to mountains of self doubt in the long run. Yeah, oh my God. You know, like when you're surrounded by, and not to mention a lot of people who have trauma, who have illness also tend to be targeted by narcissistic partners. Why? Because someone comes along and gives us attention and makes us feel great and special and exciting and seen and safe. And they at first maybe play right into whatever attachment style you might have. That's not the reality of them though, that's to acquire. And when they do acquire and you think of this person as like the sun rises and sets on their head and they think I'm shitty, I must be shitty, right? Because you don't want to think that your shitty self is the reason this wonderful angel from heaven has disappeared from your life. That's when we're all in the throes of it. I say this not to be condescending as someone who's dealt with narcissistic abuse. Check another one off on your bingo card if you grew up with a narcissistic partner. I'm sorry, a narcissistic parent. A narcissistic parent models behavior that is acceptable to us. We completely miss the warning signs until we're adults. And then we are blindsided by this. Oh my God, people have been shitty in my life. That was abuse. I wasn't shitty. This was wrong. And when that happens, you have no self-worth, right? Because the person you love that you thought was amazing thinks you're shit. And if they leave, then you might be responsible for that. So we stay and get braided and put down that's a partner where we, you know, I'm talking, you grew up with parents who are like that. It's like a what? A minimum of an 18 year sentence. <laughs> Religious narcissism. Just someone said in the chat, absolutely. That is a huge one, huge one. You, you use faith as a way to make people feel guilty for having a logical boundary. It's dangerous. It's, you know, medical gaslighting that's also right in line with everything. If we're being told that we're shit at home, we feel like garbage, we try to do stuff that helps, it fails, we feel foolish, and then we go to a doctor, the top of the chain, the expert, no emotions, they should just know what's up and they gaslight you, you feel like you're living in a bizarro world where you're just like imagining a whole different thing than what's going on where no, you got it right. You're just surrounded by people who suck. So to put it bluntly, and by the way, you could have a narcissistic parent who is that, who's not a narcissist, by the way, just so we know, um, you know, everyone, especially generations before us where there wasn't as much access to information, there wasn't as much just even known, you know, um, then there's a lot of narcissistic type of coping mechanisms that are common, but I'm going to get off on a whole other tangent about that anyway. You can still love and talk to parents who are narcissistic. You just, that even more so you need a sense of self where you can disappoint those people and not have it be earth shattering. You can live for you. You know, it's not easy to do that. Let's see. I remember when they always said in heteronormative terms that women always chose their fathers for partners. I don't know what, like reading that just made my stomach turn. I'm like, no, <laughs> but I've heard that for sure. And it's just because it's normal. It's what's perceived as love. It's what's perceived as a relationship dynamic. What is it, what is tolerable, how someone can speak to you. Like a lot, those things are modeled. And if we felt like we were raised trying to vie for someone's approval, affection and acceptance, well, that sets the stage for people who love bomb to come in and rip the carpet out from under us. And we're just trying to maintain it forever so we don't lose them. So anyway how do we fix this shit? Right? One, you're here. That is such a massive first step. I'm not just saying that because y'all pay me. Like, I'm just, I'm being honest. Like, it is such a vulnerable thing at our various ages with our various lived experiences to come together and say, enough is enough. I don't want to do this. I don't want to feel this way. I don't want to live my life this way. That is a huge step because unless you have that We all have some victim y person who's just an energy suck from us in our lives, right? We can all think of at least one person, or if we let them, they'd just suck the life out of us. Would they ever do something like this that's self reflective and difficult and scary? No, you guys are. Whether you're live on a recording, whatever it is, you're here committed to trying to change that. Number two, continuing to look to improve by leaning into the fact that you need to and it's okay to. Continue looking to improve by leaning into the fact that you need to slash it's okay to. Number three, stop comparing to people who show you, what did I even write here? Hold on. Okay. Stop comparing to people who show you what they want to show you. We don't know what someone's house really looks like. Someone could be an expert, run around and clean everything with, you know, two minutes before company's coming, shove it in the basement, shove it in a closet. We don't know, you know, we don't know what someone's relationship is really like, no matter what they show online or what they tell other people, people don't walk around talking about the struggles of their lives. A lot of times they don't, you know, they might be, have illnesses. You know how many of my clients I I get and no one in their life knows that they have any sense of illness. And yet this is something that disrupts every day of their lives. So you're comparing to somebody who has their own full plate, but doesn't have a full plate plus a health issue. It's normal to do that. It's part of the fun that is invisible illness, but it's important to note that that's typically what we do. And that's what we need to you know coach ourselves around in the moment because it's comparing apples to oranges. I want an apple now. That just made me hungry for apples. Anyway, so number four, when the spiraling begins, jot down, I call it the actual factual, right? So don't just think of the actual factual, the logic behind the situation, all of that. That's not going to help. It's probably going to piss you off because in that moment, you're feeling your feelings. It's like someone telling you to relax. And I think that's important to say. It's not always okay. It's not always easy to just like coax ourselves out of it. But when the spiraling begins, or you see it coming as early as you can, I guess Nick is going to grill the steak anyway. Good luck out there. (laughs) So when the spiraling begins, jot down what the actual factual of the situation is. Then schedule, schedule a time to to think about it and deal with it. And I know that sounds crazy, uh, check out the, um, do, yeah, the triple D method, the triple D method. I, there's a zoom on that one, um, but designating. And this can be for an argument that you've had with somebody. This could be for uh, an email you got to get back to. It could be anything that anxiety is making you dread or push off or whatever. It's causing these big feelings that are disruptive ask your, write down the actual factual. When you do that, you'll see that it probably there, like if there is anything you can do right now, you probably have done it already or you're planning to, or pick one move, you know, one action you can do towards it. Or you might see there's literally nothing I can do right now. And if that's the case, schedule another time. It could be what's happening. Hold on. My hair is just distracting me, (laughs) but you know, um, you want to be able to pick a designated time, whether it's an hour from now, tonight, tomorrow morning, whenever you think is a responsible enough time to revisit this and say, when that time comes, I am anticipating it. I'm planning on it. It's in my calendar. I know it's, it's, I know I don't need to think about this outside of that window because I'm not going to forget that I have to think about this. It's not going to fall through the cracks. I'm not going to screw up. I have it booked, but that being said, I can't do anything about it right now. Let me put it on my calendar for when I can act like attack this. And right now I can be present. That's why I said in the beginning or as early as possible, because if you're in the middle of a spiral, you know, I don't expect everyone to be. I don't even know if that's realistic to, anticipate, to expect anybody to logically pull themselves out of that with all that's happening in the spiral. But if you can catch it in the beginning or you can start to pay attention to what is usually the beginning of the buildup, try the actual factual and designating a time. It is life-changing. The sense of control it gives you and the dopamine it gives you to just schedule it, even if it's about something that's really tense or negative, it just feels better to have that planned. And then number five, last one here for the evening, number five, reach out if any of this is overwhelming, because there is a way to learn around it. You do not just have to grit and bear it, fuck your hormones, be out of your mind, stressed, alone, You know, just dealing with it. That's not why you're here. That's not how I designed this program. I designed this program based on what I wish I had back in the day. So if you're afraid of bothering us by any means, we like, we don't love that you're going through something bad. We don't love that you're struggling, but we love to know exactly what we can teach you that is going to be life-changing in some way. And the best times to do that are when you're in the shit, when your mind is like you, you're starting a million thoughts and you can't form one when you're just feeling crappy and you don't even know what kind of crappy. You do not have to sort that through alone. You do not have to wait that out like a freaking life sentence because you all have made that step to be here and we want to be able to sort this out with you. So if any of this in the moment is overwhelming to you, you have a whole team. We all know what it's like. We get it. You know, my coaches have been clients for a while, long time. So you're never bothering. Want to drill that home. So I know we went a little over today. Um, I got, I feel like I was just, it's my first week where I feel human on a Monday again, like last two, I think where I was flaring. So I had a lot to say, but I hope that this was helpful. I hope that it, you know, just incited some planted some seeds, let's say. Um, and I look forward to hearing from you guys one-on-one personally, if you have any thoughts you'd love to share with me, or if you need any help, please don't hesitate to reach out. Um, I am more delayed getting back to you guys just cause there's just one of me and there's a lot of you guys. So also make sure you're utilizing your coach, the page, the classroom, the Spotify, all that your group chat on Facebook, that is such an untapped resource. Y'all like truly, um, there are people in there who've been with us for years. So use those resources, but you're always allowed to text me. Okay. I hope you all have a good night. Enjoy your week.